This is the flight director beginning launch status check. CLCDR checking all stations are manned and the system is ready. Give me a go, no go. Talker? Roger, Houston. FSC? That is a go. Capcom? Oh, you navigation? Uh, navigation? Oh, uh, uh. You don't, don't worry about uh, guidance, we're just gonna. Wait, 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 Welcome back to Space Castle, your clubhouse and ours for all things nerdy. I'm Alex. My name's DT. And I'm Seth. All right, guys. Look, I've got, I got a thing I want to talk about. Um, so Halloween's approaching. And with Halloween comes a lot of people dressing up. However, myself among many uh, prefer to do that same sort of dressing up. In the bedroom. Outs- yeah. Well, I mean, look, <laughs> this is a family-friendly-ish show with lots of cursing. And nipples, but uh, my bedroom life is my bedroom life. Private and epic. Uh, <laughs> pri- well, it's definitely one of those things. <laughs> Seth is w- one helmet short of just like a complete collection of everything you need in the bedroom. So, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I, look, I said I didn't want to talk about it. Once that Darth Vader helmet gets finished, this shit's going to be lit. I'm just saying you've got great head protection, you know? I, I definitely have some good headwear. Always wear head protection, kids. Yes. Protection's important. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? What was I even going to talk about? Oh. We're like, we're like 10 seconds in and we've already gone there. Outside of my bedroom, I want to talk about cosplay because that's a thing that people do outside of Halloween, right? Myself among them. But Halloween tends to be a time where people are, I don't know, more okay with exploring that space learning that kind of thing and that's that's actually where a lot of like cosplayers get their start is they dress up for halloween and realize like oh this is really fun i want to see if i can do this outside of this one day a year that's not how i got my start but it's extremely common and now that halloween's approaching i want to talk to you guys about it have have either one of you ever done any cosplaying have have, have you ever done anything like that I haven't, but I have an anecdote, right? Like my experience with cosplay is so interesting because I I had never gone to con. I never understood what it was about. Now it's one of my favorite things ever uh, because I've gone to Phoenix Fan Fusion, formerly known as con, as Comic-Con, as Phoenix Con (laughs) Comic Fest dash 2.0.1123577. Hut, hut. And uh, yeah. (laughs) And um it was it was wild because I I was down in Phoenix for like a work thing that basically Big Pharma needed to have a convention in one of the like sidebar areas of the Phoenix Con Center, and they they needed help to put together um, you know where are we going to put our designs, and so I went down there with one of our graphic designers and met with somebody and we walked around the convention center and kind of like picked out different things that we were going to, you know, we're here, we're going to put a giant banner that has big pharma, whatever on it. And it, uh, it was the antithesis of everything that con actually represents to me now. It was just, (laughs) (laughs) it was weird and awkward and terrible. But while we were there, we were planning for this con was happening. So people are passing by while we're sitting in the uh, restaurant afterwards and it's just like, there goes Inuasha, and there's somebody from Studio Ghibli, and here's uh, somebody from X-Men. Like, here's um, 
Wolverine or whatever. And I was just like, this is so strange to just see random people walking by. Uh, but it was also amazing. And looking back on it now, I'm like, these, these people are just, they're just like super happy and, uh, didn't understand it. And now it's funny to, to like go to a convention afterwards to go to Phoenix con and be like, why did I ever not want to do this? Um, aside from the two terabytes of adult themed Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy cosplay I have in my hard drive, <laughs> I know next to nothing about cosplay. So this is actually really super interesting to me because <laughs> Seth is like an amazing creator and he like builds his cosplays from scratch and he's got awesome shit all over his apartment. So yeah, I'm, I'm, this is something that I know nothing about. So I'm really interested in learning more and I'm actually not a big convention person. I need to rectify that and change my lifestyle and become a con person. The fact that Alex has experience with it from like a spectator perspective and Seth has it from like an actual like active perspective and me being a cosplay version, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. This is interesting. So I, I, I want to learn more from both of you guys about this we, subject. We've got the full spectrum covered, baby. I got you. <laughs> Alex, I think, has the level of experience that most people that go to a convention at all of any sort, be it video games or Comic-Con or anime con or whatever i think he's got the experience that most people do where they just like see people in cosplay and like wow wolverine's just walking around downtown at a restaurant getting a beer having lunch like just doing his <laughs> shit dt i think has the experience level that most people have where they just have terabytes and terabytes of cosplay on their hard drives so that's fine <laughs> <laughs> um on a serious note Cosplay tends to be, I don't know, split into like three or four different sections, right? You've got Halloween only stuff, which is, I wouldn't really classify as cosplay. Halloween costumes are not quite the same. Cosplay is kind of separate from, from the Halloween getup. A lot of people wear their cosplays for Halloween because if you put a bunch of time and effort into a thing, like you might as well wear it. Might as uh, well, yeah. But I think it's considered a separate thing. You've got the, the cosplay that is for you know, sexual proclivities, uh, which I think is, you know, the running joke where that's furries. The, the, you can say furries. <laughs> and we've just alienated a large section of our audience <laughs> or gained a whole new section. Who knows? Hey, I don't want to yuck on anybody's yum. Uh, furries are not for me, <laughs> but that's fine. Uh, so you've got that. And then you've got people that kind of dress up for a living, right? You're, you're, cosplay girls your your e-girls whatever that it's less about the craft less about going to a convention and more about finding your waifu <laughs> and yeah and more about like selling it which is also fine uh and then you've got the i think largest portion which is the convention cosplay like people that make their costumes because they're in love with a, an ip and they want to like be a part of that or or what have you. The the general convention goer cosplay, I think, is the largest section. It's also the most varied, right? Is you've got different cosplays, you've got different reasons for people cosplaying. Like a lot of cosplayers you see, professional cosplayers, all they do is is make and dress up and you know do photo shoots and promotions and things. Some of those people will go to a convention and literally never go inside and just stand outside on the curb doing photo shoots and like gathering crowds and that's it. Oh wow. Yeah. They're they're attending the con but but just for the photo opportunities and stuff, like not really to be a part of the convention. They're still going to be appreciated. <laughs> what is what is the gratification there? Are they like promoting the costumes to sell them later or just to promote themselves as cosplay models? 
It seems weird to me to go to all that trouble just to... Social media stardom. Yeah, we live in the age of Instagram where people go to concerts and film entire concerts on their phone or go yeah. out to dinner in a nice restaurant and spend the entire time taking pictures of their food instead of eating it. So yeah, maybe it's, I don't know. If I had to put money on it, I would say most of it is a self-promotion slash their job. Like companies will pay famous cosplayers to make and dress up as a character to promote this new series that's coming out or whatever. That's fascinating. Perhaps the the big root system of cosplay in general is it's really fucking rad to see fictional things in real life. Like real life versions of video game characters or anime or whatever is fucking dope. And I think that's the root of it is like, it's awesome to see. It's awesome to like figure out how it was made, how like this imaginary thing is now standing in front of you on the curb outside of a convention center. Like that's fucking rad. I think you're definitely on to something because like in 1990, the first live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie came out. And as an eight year old, I was completely fucking blown away by it. <laughs> and watching it now as an adult, it's like seeing those characters I love in live action done really well is still magical. So I think you're right. I think there's a there's definitely an aspect of that happening. The, the difference, I think, is that we see cosplay and we're like, wow, that looks cool. And Seth is like, how did they make that? <laughs> how can I replicate that really cool thing that they did? <laughs> that gets a little bit to more of why I do it. But I think that that is the underlying appeal to this the whole thing is seeing a fictional thing in real life is is always interesting and that's how you get like really weird choices like with the the tmnt movies you're like why did they decide to do it like that that's so weird and then you get unbelievable crossovers like uh the only time you'll get to see like a deadpool disney princess is because someone makes that cosplay and is at a convention and you're like, fuck, that's so, that, what a great idea. And it's so awesome. And like, I love seeing this, but that's never going to happen in real life. Like, uh, you're never going to see that on, on the big screen or anything, right? Is you, I don't know. You, we'll see. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I highly doubt it. <laughs> now that, I don't know, man. Now that Disney owns both Marvel and, well, obviously Disney owns Disney. I'm a fucking idiot. But uh, I mean, there's there's got to be plans to bring Deadpool into the MCU. And I, I would be absolutely shocked if they didn't play that Disney angle somehow, some way, just for laughs. Maybe. There's way more exotic ones. Like, there is a Batman Stormtrooper. Yeah, I've seen that one online, actually. It's fucking rad. That kind of stuff you can only get with cosplay, because those IPs are never going to cross over. You get to, to see really, really imaginative stuff that can only happen in cosplay, which is really rad. And then you've got, like, the next level shit, which is, like, huge anime characters that are fucking... have swords that are 20 feet long and shit like that. That stuff is just... <laughs> wild to see in real life you're just like i i want to know how you have a sword that is longer than my car but you're still carrying it around like how does that even work it's wild to see that stuff when the physics don't apply but it still sort of works yeah, yeah. how did how did i know physics apply to my world how did you still manage to do that <laughs> it reminds me of the people who have the most clever halloween costume yeah just like my, micro cosplay to me is so interesting those people who like they put on a brown coat and a scarf and they have they carry around a screwdriver and you're like who are you? Oh, who are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a Oh, who are you? <laughs> I think we're trapped in an Abbott and Costello routine now, guys. <laughs> so we've got the people who do it for the sake of seeing cool shit from video games and comics and whatnot in person, which is totally dope. I'm down with that. You've got the creative aspect where they can create things that they want to see in those media that they won't see, like your stormtrooper Batman and whatnot. 
But there's also got to be like that sort of fanciful, like wanting to be somebody else, like dressing up because it's fun aspect though, right? Absolutely. I think that's where you get furries is the extreme of that is like they want to be literally somebody else. So they've like fully embraced an alternate personality or persona, I guess. Fursona, I believe they're called. Yes. Fursona <laughs> is, is, is probably is the word there, but that's, that's the, the thinking, right? Is, is that, is an alternate, like so far into that. I think I've seen that. I've seen that at, after going to Phoenix Con, you know, we don't have them anymore. They don't exist after COVID, but three, uh, three years or so in a row, uh, people going as the same character every time, right? Like I saw, I think I saw a dude that was Aang three years in a row. Yeah. And it was just like, he, he knew some Kung Fu and that was it. Like, so he, people would be like, oh, cool costume. He'd be like, watch my entire kata that I'm about to do. (laughs) (laughs) And take a video if you'd like. And also my Instagram is. (laughs) Also, please place $5 in that hat on the ground over there. (laughs) Right. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, I've seen some people that just inhabit it. That this is their their thing. Well, and that's the same thing with Halloween. Even is like if you've got a good Halloween costume, sometimes people will wear that for fucking ten years straight, and that's that's just what you go as is Halloween is like you know whatever it is. That's why we've seen so many Heath Ledger Jokers. Yeah, mm, yeah. But we would. I remember going to Con and being like, oh, let's count how many ravens we see. Dude, Raven is is a. Ma- I I remember that count. I think we were in the fifties by the time Con ended. Holy shit! Really? Fifty different ravens from Teen Titans. Wow. Yeah, no joke. Yes. Raven, Deadpool, the Joker. Those are like incredibly popular cosplays. All right. I'm on the side of the dude who dressed up like the Batman Stormtrooper, like something original. Like that's that's cool to me. That's definitely the coolest one. But occasionally you'll get an absolutely fucking amazing Joker that you're like, this one, this dude's cosplay stands head and shoulders above the rest. And that's that is his way of standing out or whatever right it's like it's not some wild interesting thing it's like just the best version of this super popular thing which is also super awesome well that's the difference it's the craftsmanship like i remember the first con i went to where i was going near to the retro gaming station over where the pub stomping did occur (laughs) and and i saw a war machine cosplay that was just phenomenal like he could have walked off a movie set and had the whole shoulder mounted like gun turret and everything and i I feel like there were two people on either side of him that like were essentially bodyguards like don't get close to this cosplay because it's amazing yeah (laughs) and people people he couldn't walk like five feet without somebody being like let me take a picture with you please this is incredible that is some people's job. Like they, the saying goes, if you are at the top of any skill set, you will never have to work because you will just do that that skill set. Like if you're the best of the best, you'll never have to worry about a job because that will be a job. We're pretty good podcasters. If anybody is out there listening and wants to sponsor <laughs> us, I'm just saying. Let's get more into the craftsmanship because we have a maker here yeah. and you know Seth is an incredible fabricator of of many many things gadgets and whatnot and you've talked before in previous episodes about how you want to get more into like electronics because it'll allow you to up your cosplay game from your perspective somebody who does it for the sake of the craftsmanship and tr- figuring out how to build something that's what I want to hear about yeah if, you, if you're game for that I, totally I think that that is the the inside baseball thing is like 
if you make any cosplay, that kind of becomes one of the only things that you really care about is like, how did you make this? How did you fucking 3D print on the fabric? Because I need to know how to do that. That's fucking wild. How, how did you figure that out? <laughs> Every cosplayer that I know and talk to, the artistry of it is the main talking point. It's not so much like, oh, this character is cool and this cosplay is cool. Did you see this? Like, blah, blah. It's like, cool. This paint job on War Machine is fucking perfect like how did you how did you get the scratches so like intricate how did like they look so real how did did you actually scratch the shit like how did this happen the 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 making of it is kind of what cosplayers seem to care about most um and that's what cosplayers talk to other cosplayers about most of the time which is fascinating i think that that's totally the inside baseball of the whole thing i remember talking to you about like because we were working on red rising and we were like all right this will be the first time I ever try to cosplay. And the razor is a sword used by Red Rising characters. And it's like this really, it's a concept that doesn't exist in a real world. Right? Yeah. It's like, how do you make a whip a sword? Um, you, you, you don't. Like you've seen it in, with Ivy and Soul Calibur and you've seen it in, with this. And that's about <laughs> it. So it just doesn't exist. And I literally like three weeks ago saw this, uh, thing on Amazon that was like this is this would do that thing and I immediately thought of Seth like oh uh, and I took a screenshot of it on my phone and I was like this would do the this would do the razor sword solve that like problem concept. this would solve that problem but it I think a lot of what I've seen at least in levels of cosplay when you talk about the one that you were talking about jokers who like some of them are like ah yeah you're the joker obviously it's it's recognizable and then there's some that are like oh my goodness you inhabit this character. You are them. Yeah. Um, the difference is just this like slight level of craftsmanship or, or effort that was put in. And I think that that's what is so enticing to people because you can become a cosplay maker essentially. Yeah. Like that can be your thing. Yeah. And that is a lot of people's actual jobs, just making cosplay for commissions. Like I, I've made several props and helmets and all kinds of stuff as a commission for other people. I obviously can't do it full time or anything, but um, that is absolutely a thing that they do. It's it's a bit of a gray area because obviously most of the time you're recreating somebody else's IP. It gets very complicated and a lot of companies, you know, they're back and forth. Some companies are all for it. Like, hey, more fan creation means more engagement. More people are happy about our shit. Right. Yeah, it's great. Some people are like, hey, you can't make money off of my IP no cosplays allowed kind of it's a whole thing give me a kickback yeah wow they have like corporations and in, in people who have a ban on cosplays like oh yeah baby like if you show up to like a con like you're not necessarily making money off of it but if you're like a like an instagram model you you can't actually cosplay certain characters because you'll be sued for it. cons are kind of a wild west situation like there's no disney agents walking around con handing out tickets to people right oh there's disney agents everywhere man but it's it's more of, to get at this point a little bit roundabout, cosplay is a very like open community. When people figure out a new technique for a thing, they're most of the time very open to sharing and, and teaching and, and helping people also do that same technique. The knowledge is very shared. It's a very collaborative and you know open community of makers in the cosplay space. And along with that, you've got people that you know will design like a gun from Destiny they won't like rip the asset out of the game or anything, but they will model it up and then post it for free online that you can just download the model and print it yourself. That gets into the gray area. And 
there are definitely professional cosplayers who can only do certain cosplays or can't do certain cosplays, right? That's as part of like some contract they have with whatever. But in general, the problem comes from like selling thermal detonators. Like if you make uh, really okay. fucking yeah. good, high quality props and you can't sell them because it's somebody else's IP. Obviously there's, there's a gray market there. Lots of people do sell them and most of the time it's fine. It's in small enough quantities. Disney's not going to get after you if you make and sell five Mandalorian helmets, right? But if you buy a vacuum forming press and a whole bunch of molds and start making hundreds or thousands of them, that's a problem. Yeah. So most of the time it's fine. Yeah. It was cool when Adam Savage did it. Yeah. He, he can make a thermal detonator. <laughs> well, and that's, that's kind of thing is most of it is very low quantities or for the individual, which is why you have this huge collaborative kind of scene is because I I can figure out and make amazing props, but I can't sell the props, but I can still share the information and get my prop out there so lots of people can enjoy the work that I did. They just have to make it themselves. I will teach you how to do it. I can walk you through it, but I, I just can't sell it to you. Here's an odd question. What happens when you're uh, like a cosplayer who does this thing for a living and you post like YouTube videos of how you made something and those videos become sponsored. So you're, you're being paid to produce this video, but you're creating something from an existing IP that somebody else owns. Are you profiting from your own skills and producing the video or are you in a roundabout way earning money from that IP still? And can you still get kind of come after? From a legal standpoint, the video is the product that you're selling against the ad. Okay. That makes sense. Not the, you know, the sword from Sword Art Online or whatever. You can make yourself super famous by doing like recreations of famous pop songs. It's the entertainment. It's not the product. Okay. So it's like doing a cover song. Okay. That makes sense. Cover songs are hotly debated as well. True. But yeah, it's, it's that. So like there's tons of famous cosplayers that are huge YouTubers like Kamui Cosplay. All she does is make fucking absolutely baller cosplays, but she didn't sell any of that. She has like a line of books that she's written on how to do certain things and she sells those. She obviously sells ads on the videos, but none of the actual IP that she reproduces gets sold. Those are all just for her. Nice. Smart. Yeah. And it's super awesome. That so And that kind of breeds a very collaborative sort of community because it's like, I can't sell you this thing, but I can tell you how to make one for yourself. So we've got this very kind of strong cosplay maker sort of community because that's how it all kind of works. The the community aspect is a thing that's really appealing to me too, because you've got your really intense cosplayers, you've got your really casual ones, but it seems like everybody is welcome. Yeah. Like it doesn't seem like there's any sort of elitism or like class system or whatever, or like you've got your cool kids, you've got your not so cool kids because we're all fucking nerds out here, right? So yeah. there definitely is a little bit of that, like you'll find in any community. Um, but mm. yeah, the vast majority of people like you cosplay as a way to be part of a community, not as a way to exclude people from a community. So like, and it's, it's pretty inherently welcoming. It's welcoming, but there, there are tears to like how invested you are. I feel like there are some people who take it very much like this is sort of another excuse, like Halloween to dress up. And then other people that are like, this is my entire hobby and lifestyle. Definitely. <laughs> and then others like Seth who are more on the craftsman side. You know, The key is most of those people, they don't like look down on or judge any of these caste systems, right? Like there are definitely levels of interest and levels of effort, but the people that do it professionally in general don't like look down on the people that are just doing it as a, as a Halloween thing. Nice. 
there's there's very little judgment about which level you choose to partake in. What do you think is like missing from the cosplay community outside of, you know, electronics and that kind of side? Uh, you get a little bit of that here and there, but I, I feel like you've seen uh, like Badali Jewelry, for instance, they do fantasy related like rings and necklaces and things like that. And it's sort of this, it's not esoteric, but it's, it's a very like niche area. Do you think it's electronics? Do you think it's the like development side that's, that's not quite there yet? Um, that, that, that is a place to step into. The thing I'm lack, I feel like is lacking in the cosplay community is what we've already touched on. And that's open licensing, mm. something like Badali, Badali, um, I've talked with a lot of their people at their booths and most of their overhead goes from just paying royalties and paying for licenses to make the things that they make. That's wild. Um, like they make real proper like silver and real gemstone jewelries and rings. If you want like a real gold Sauron's ring, Badali will make one, right? But most of the their overhead is not for gold. It's not for the workmanship or the the time that goes into making each of these things. It's licensing. And it took them years to secure licenses for a lot of these IPs just so that they could make jewelry for them. That's the hardest part. And that's the thing that's missing is a more cohesive and open and easier to get into kind of licensing situation. We're seeing a little bit of that with like The Mandalorian, for example, the TV show a lot of the cosplay props and stuff were made by Frank Ippolito's shop who just makes cosplay stuff, but he makes it so well that Disney like contracted him. It's like, hey, you make the best fucking Stormtrooper helmets out there. We'll we'll just buy them from you for the show instead of having some other prop master make some for us. Hmm, that's badass. It is super cool. There's more of that. There needs to be more of that because that's how you get like literal top tier levels of craftsmanship is people that are deeply passionate about it that are making a Mandalorian helmet in their garage for three weeks at a time to make like the best version. That's the kind of person that you want to be able to like sell a mold of it so that they can continue making the best version of this thing or really push forward like microelectronics for the speaker system or whatever. Like it's really hard to do that if you're on a film set because you're on super tight time crunches, you're on budget crunches, blah, blah, blah. But the guy in his basement that can take a year to develop this really perfect thing gets shut out of the market because Disney won't allow him to make that thing anymore. That That's the kind of thing that I think needs to change. I've seen it, it depends on the creator, whoever the uh, sort of initial owner of the IP is. Some authors, for instance, are really jazzed to see like off-brand t-shirts, you know, because they, they've got their own merch. Here's my one quote from my book that everybody really loves. I'm going to sell this as a t-shirt. But then some of them are like jazzed when they see a, you know, homemade version, you know, like a drawing that somebody made and uh, was inspired by their book and then created that. And then others are like, uh, that doesn't come from my official website. Why, wh- why do you have that? I've seen this in, in person happen. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And then this person's just standing there like I'm awkwardly wearing a t-shirt that somebody told me I shouldn't be wearing and should not have created uh, from something that I love so much. It was the person who created that IP too, who was like shaming you for wearing something homemade. That's bullshit. It was one of the most awkward things I've ever seen. And I'm sure that they left after that, not feeling very jazzed about that IP anymore and, and what have you. So what I like to see is you have the liberty to create what you want to create. Um, you just you can't take it to a specific place that feels uncomfortable. But that's why they have like cease and desist sort of things, right? Sure. 
DC, what would you like to see? What would you like to see out of the cosplay community? Like one, you need to start going to cons. Yeah, I do. They're so great. Once it becomes safer and because I got friends out here who are real big into like pop culture like we are and people who'd probably be into cosplay. And I definitely got to go to cons out here in Denver for sure. Uh, what would I like to see more of? Uh, well, uh, more Goldblum cosplays. <laughs> but in the meantime, we've got messages from Earth we've got to check on. Otherwise, Goldblum will become angry. And you won't like him when he's angry. My name's Slip. And I'm Trey. And I'm Slip. No, you're Sol. Oh, yeah, that's right. My name's Slip. And I'm Trey. And I'm a... I'm Saul. Why are you saying it like it's a question? Uh, sorry. My name's Slip. And I'm Trey. And I just want to know, why are we doing this? It's a promo for another podcast. I'm going to write it down for you. Does that sound good? All right. All right. My name's Slip, and I'm a bounty hunter. And I'm Trey, and I'm a bounty hunter. And I'm Saul, and I'm a bounty hunter who likes to party. What? Why? Just listen to Omega Star 7! I'm Simon Ford. And I'm Jack Morrell. And we've got some important information for you. We're launching a brand new podcast, and it's for true crime addicts just like you. It's called Psycho Killer, and it's available right now wherever you get your podcasts. Now, Jack here, he was 30 years in the job, so he knows what he's talking about. And Simon, when he gets his teeth into a story, he's like a terrier. Plus, we'll be having special guests who've been there, seen it, done it, and got that T-shirt. So come with us on our new adventure. Subscribe right now to Psycho Killer, and we'll see you on the dark side. Run, 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 run Once again, some awesome messages from Earth. Thanks very much to uh, everybody who sent in those messages. Thanks very much to our sponsor, Anchor. We love you as always. Seth, you have been doing some cosplay-related Deep Space Recon, haven't you? Oh, yeah. I, I was doing this for years, man. <laughs> He's ready. My Deep Space is, is actually going to be a very popular YouTube channel. Big surprise. That recently changed their name about a year or two ago to Punished Props Academy from just Punished Props. Punished Props is a duo, a husband and wife, who make cosplay. That's it. The, <laughs> the real key is their YouTube channel is very much education oriented. So they're teaching you these techniques. They're teaching you how to do certain things from like making Mass Effect armor to, you know, how to use a belt sander to like do this thing. Rad. All kinds of stuff. It's a, a veritable treasure trove of information. I've been a Patreon supporter of theirs for several years now. And they definitely helped me get into the entire game. They teach you how to make molds. They teach you everything. Basically, if if you want to know how to how to get into cosplay and like you're interested in making, like, hey, I I like making things and 
making something from my favorite video game would be dope. Punish Props Academy is a YouTube channel that you should definitely check out for that reason. Nice, man. How long have they been doing this? Do you know? Oh, man. Like 10 years? Yeah, like fucking, a, good for for fucking ever, man. Yeah. It's one of those it's one of those channels that I feel like I've I've certainly seen one of their videos and I just don't remember. <laughs> I don't oh, at definitely. least I didn't I don't I don't put the name to what they actually do, but that that sounds right up my alley as something very uh, interesting to scope out. Yeah. So this would be a good resource for me too, as somebody who doesn't know hardly anything about cosplay to jump in to watch videos about I'm guessing they're very entertaining and very personable about how they do it, but to learn more about what goes into the culture. Yeah, that's cool. Definitely. It's Bill and Brittany Duran, uh, since I'm realizing I didn't say their names. It is definitely making focus. So if you're interested in the actual like construction process, this is the channel to kind of get it. There is obviously, it's entertaining, but there's, you know, cosplay industry stuff tangentially as part of it. And like, you know, Bill is just, say random shit as he's working on a piece in his shop right but it's definitely maker oriented so if you're if you're looking for something that's more like how to why 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 cosplay does things how do (laughs) cosplay happens (laughs) i love that no i mean for me it's it's anytime i'm hearing from somebody about making something it's generally a youtube channel that seth has shared with me so i'll add this one to the list or it's uh tested yeah uh, which is you know everybody knows adam savage yeah I mentioned a little bit before Kamui Cosplay, very same sort of situation. It's just her. Uh, she's out of, I think, Germany or Austria. I forget exactly where, um, but she is very much the same sort of thing. It's like teaching you how to make the things that she makes. Also an excellent channel, but there's lots of good YouTube channels for for learning cosplay because like I said, it's a very open and collaborative sort of community. So people are very willing to help you learn a thing. I feel like at some point we're, we've got to catalog this on the site or something. Like all of Seth's maker channels, <laughs> all of my like nerdy book shit. That's a really <laughs> good idea, actually. That's a great idea because that's what Deep Space Recon's all about. It's about learning stuff and discovering stuff and sharing it with our amazing listeners. Hell yeah. I'll, I'll work on that. <laughs> Speaking of our amazing listeners, we have a listener question this week, as we always do. This one comes to us from our friends at Psycho Killer Podcast. Ooh. Psycho killer. So uh, we recently hit, just in time for Halloween, 666 followers on Twitter, which I thought was fucking hilarious. <laughs> nice. Number of the beast. <laughs> Hell yeah. And uh, I said that whoever was 666 got to send in a question and we'd also plug them if they had a podcast. So you just heard their message as part of our messages from Earth. And they have sent in a question. And that question is, what is a famous crime or conspiracy in your area that many people know about? but did not actually happen. Ooh. Uh, well, you guys all know already about Chupacabra. <laughs> El Chupacabra. Yeah. Hey, man, I believe. I don't think that that's fake. I'm in the desert. You guys have lived here before. You know this thing. <laughs> but yeah, I'm out here with the cacti and the Chupacabra and La Llorona and uh, the, the Lost Dutchman and what other crazy like desert nonsense do you know about look if if i've learned anything about arizona in my 29 how long did i live there 30 years whatever if i've learned anything about arizona it's that all of the buck wild shit that you think is probably fake actually did happen (laughs) (laughs) at some point it did happen (laughs) yeah no uh that's what's so i mean anything in the southwest it's all like it's it's cowboys and Indians. <laughs> Wild like, West, man. Wild yeah. West for sure. Oh, at one point, somebody came into this town and just shot everyone. Yep, that <laughs> this happened. This is Tombstone. <laughs> there you go. 
<laughs> we're going to make a cool movie about it and you're going to be happy because because uh kurt russell is going to play the main character a uh, a, a crazy old guy <laughs> just filled a chest full of gold and hit it in the mountains that's not real yeah no that happened no, no, yeah, that happened. yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the thing that happened it was found in like 2015 or something <laughs> they made children dig holes and there were lizards that that could bite them and they would die yep that happened yep, no. that happened in yep, arizona yep, that happened too yep that's arizona that's the southwest yeah welcome but uh, i th- i think like to circle back <laughs> <laughs> all of the conspiracy theories are like the folklore legends are they all they're actual like folklore legends the chupacabra one is even more weird man it's completely real though no, it's not. <laughs> well, th- that's the thing. Is like th- the chupacabra started because, uh, a f- like a farmer went out and found all of their sheep drained of blood in the middle of the night. And it was like, how? What? When? What? What could have possibly fucking done this to thirty sheep in the middle of the night without me hearing? And that's how that started. So like the chupacabra itself may not actually be real, but that is a thing that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody was going around killing livestock and draining their blood. <laughs> what the fuck? Right, yeah. So Arizona's a weird place, guys. Yeah, yeah. Don't ever live there for for thirty six years. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. Do not <laughs> Get out as fast as you can. All right. So I lived in Arizona most of my life. I recently moved to Colorado. Very happy here. It's it's wonderful. We have one really weird fucking thing that everybody is always constantly talking about, and it's Denver International Airport. Oh, very specifically, and I'll get more into DIA in a minute, but very specifically. In 2008, the city uh, commissioned and installed a 32-foot statue of a giant blue veiny horse with glowing red (laughs) eyes, and he's been dubbed Blucifer by the locals. And there are tons of conspiracies and theories about Blucifer, which all stemmed from the fact that Luis Jimenez, the guy who created it and installed it, the artist, while he was installing and, and setting it up, part of it broke off and killed him. Like it hit him, it landed on his leg, it severed a major artery in his leg, and he bled to death. So ever since then, people have speculated and guessed and talked constantly about the fact that Lucifer is actually cursed, and they need to remove it because people are killing each other because of it, and people are like sacrificing animals and, and children to it, and there's all kinds of weird fucking conspiracies about a statue. And it's a dope fucking statue, especially at night when it's like cloudy out and it's like, you can see the eyes glowing like lasers. It's, it's the most bizarre fucking thing you can possibly see (laughs) when you're entering or leaving an airport of all places. It's stationed right there. Like you're like driving up to the terminals and you see this giant horse statue that has demon eyes looking at you. It's fucking wild, man. I love it. That place is built for conspiracies, man. It's it's way too fucking big. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. People think there's like underground bunkers. People are convinced that there's a UFO hangar underneath DIA. They think there's a, a network of, of hidden tunnels. Uh, there's various murals throughout the airport that people think spell out the impending apocalypse. <laughs> it is this weird, just fucking hotbed of conspiracies and crimes and stuff that obviously have never happened, but people are convinced because people just love that type of shit. I don't know. They are bunkers, though. No, there's not. <laughs> there are bunkers. It's a thing. Sleeping Giants, the book series by Sylvain Nouvelle, he he leans into this and talks about how in Denver, underneath underneath the airport, there are giant hangars where um, they, they that's where you can have your uh, robots created. And um, what a good book series, too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no, e- excellent, super good. 
but I'm pretty convinced. I asked my dad about this. He's been involved in like half of the construction in Arizona and Colorado, and he he's convinced that there that there are bunkers down there. Hmm. If nothing else, they're there for like um, building robots, hiding aliens, disposing of sacrifices to Lucifer. Yeah, it's, I just the DIA is built so strangely <laughs> that it makes sense. Like you've you've got to take trains to get anywhere there. And it's also way out in the middle of nowhere as compared to the city, like Sky Harbor in Phoenix, right next to most of the metropolitan area. Yeah, right smack in the middle of the area. Yeah, yeah. it's way out there. It's 40 minutes away from the main city. And that is because they expect Denver to grow. Most of the time when airports are made, they're made way outside of town because they expect the town to grow into them, which is what happened with Sky Harbor. Because it was way the fuck outside of town when it was constructed initially, but the town grew. True. Denver just hasn't grown that far yet. I see you've drank the Kool-Aid. Um, uh, it's, it's actually squirt. It's cactus cooler is what it is. It's cactus cooler. <laughs> it's cactus cooler. It's, it'll quench you. It'll quench it's you. the quenchiest. <laughs> Seth, what you got for uh, weird crimes or happenings that may or may not have actually happened up in the Seattle area? Around these parts, we've got, you know, tons of bridges and stuff. And under one of them in a neighborhood called Fremont is a giant statue of like a troll. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it in person. Yeah, the Fremont troll, very, very popular. The the conspiracy in this whole thing comes from it. it's clutching a like mid-60s VW Beetle. And that Beetle is like covered in its hand and covered in part of the sculpture and stuff. And the artist who initially made it uh, along with his team, I think his name was Steve bad in his or something something like that let's go steve steve the whole thing is he's he was um a little bit shifty as an artist right it's like sometimes he'll show up in like two different countries on like the same day randomly and like just a little you know not anything illegal or anything just like he's got a little bit of weird tendencies is he banksy <laughs> I, I wish <laughs> but uh, as part of that kind of shifty persona, there's rumors that he was in a little bit of hot water in the early 90s, around when the sculpture was made. And there is rumors that his hot water problems are now buried within that beetle. Ooh. Do you think Jimmy Hoffa's in the trunk? Probably. <laughs> I don't think Jimmy Hoffa, but I do think maybe a loan shark. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of the rumors. Like whatever problem he was having... He, he, you know, quote, fixed it, put it in this beetle and buried it in a sculpture in concrete underneath the bridge. Do you think there's a copy of E.T. on Atari in there? Absolutely. There's a copy of E.T. on Atari in your trash can. They're everywhere. <laughs> I think my trash can was actually made out of copies of E.T. on Atari. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, you guys remember when they dug up that entire landfill full of them in Utah? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking hell. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's at least three copies in this sculpture, man. So obviously that's not a thing. I think that in 2002 or something they did like a an ultrasonic or an X-ray or something of the beetle and found it empty on the inside underneath the concrete, or so they say. <laughs> he paid them off. For me, this is the kind of thing that I choose to believe in, even though I know it's not real, because I think it's fun and interesting. Yeah, it's it adds to the local like like flavor. Exactly. It's it's just fun. And like, yeah, perpetuating a, a myth about a guy being murdered is, you know, maybe not the best, but it's like, I don't know, it's just fun. <laughs> yeah. Murders are a blast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if, I knew, if I've learned anything about the 10,000 true crime podcasts, there are murders are fun and popular. <laughs> 
That actual question actually came to us from, like I said, Psycho Killer Podcast, which is a, a new and upcoming true crime podcast. Hey. You can actually, you can find them on Twitter at PsychoKillerPO. You can find them online and check out their videos and their audio files at psycho-killer.co. A couple of really cool guys actually really know their shit. They actually both have a history of investigative journalism and whatnot. So Hell yeah. if you're if you're down for True Crime Podcasts, this one's actually legit. So check them out for sure. I feel like it's making a comeback too. Like it, there's, there's this big circle that's coming back around. True Crime, again, is becoming popular. Uh, only Murders in the Building. Mm, yeah. There's a lot of popularity around there now. And I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to check out that pod. Yeah, but uh, thanks to those two gentlemen for sending that question in. Seth, do you want to tell the people how they can send in their own questions? Yeah, you can send us your question in the form of long-form manuscripts buried within a VW Beetle underneath a bridge. (laughs) (laughs) Or Or if you're too lazy, you can also send us an email at spacecastlepodcast at (laughs) gmail.com. Or find us on Twitter and Instagram at spacecastlepod. Send us questions, send us shit. If you've got some weird not real crime that happened in your city that everybody thinks really happened i want to know about it because that shit is fascinating all right cool i think that's gonna do it for this episode of space castle as always it is your clubhouse and hours for all things nerdy my name's dt my name is alex and my name is seth thank you guys so much for listening as always and uh if you feel so inclined please leave us a review and refer us to a friend we're always trying to grow this podcast, trying to make more friends because we want to hear more conspiracy theories about things that are happening in your part of the world. Also want to give a special shout out and thanks as always to our friend Brian Lovett, who uh, sent me most of my Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy cosplay photos. <laughs> he was massively instrumental in co-writing our theme song, These Notes, which you are currently hearing very slowly crescendoing up right now. <laughs> and he is most certainly not the Chupacabra. Almost certainly not. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he's also the Lost Dutchman. Oh, Brian, get at me. (laughs) 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 Send me your cosplays on Twitter as well. Okay. And uh, because I want to see them. Bye. Love you.